Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? I hope you'll forgive me for being so scatterbrained on this episode. We have Nick Gray back on the show. He's back from a vacation. Um, and Mr. Fandroid himself, I wanted to make sure he gave some of his reactions to the things that happened before his vacation at Google I.O. We eventually get to the Huawei news regarding the new devices, the teaser of the P50, and of course, Harmony OS. But I do have a bit of a rant when it comes to our wearables, the state of wearables, let's say. Uh, after talking about the Pixel Buds A. See, we go through a lot of different topics here and we do jump around a lot, so forgive me for being a little bit scatterbrained. With all that said, though, it is still a fun and chill discussion that you can come and hang out with us in. Uh, with that said, let's get into it. Enjoy. Recording. This is going to be the funniest. It's going to be the funniest, weird, like not weird, but like we're going to start the show off low key by me asking you how your vacation was because you were just telling me about <laughs> about the fact that you're coming back to work after a week i i have to say this is the first week-long vacation i've taken in forever mm-hmm. and it was amazing just being away from my computer away from my desk from i was my gonna office. ask i because I, I personally did not hear from you much while you were on your trip was this one mm-hmm. of those like get off the grid moments for you no it wasn't but it was very intentional so we went on vacation we we drove down took two days to drive down to florida uh mm. we spent a week on the beach uh with my brother's family my sister's family and so our daughters got to see all of their cousins and it was pure mayhem with uh, eight children running around crazy in a, in a single Airbnb and then block away from the beach. It was just a whole lot of fun. And it was more intentional of let me enjoy this week and not necessarily let me get away from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did actually check in on work stuff because when you own your own business, you have to. I mean, there's no way you can be completely disconnected checking emails, checking in with some of our writers on Fandroid, and just making sure things are still going. But it was, yeah, as you mentioned, pretty sparse as far as digital communication with, with people while we were down there, which was kind of nice too, not having to think or worry about things. Uh, but yeah, just coming back after being away for an entire week is extremely hard. Like even though I was caught up with most emails, there was things that I just put reminders to check in on once I got back. And so my first two days back, it was pretty much just kidding, getting caught up on everything that was postponed for that week. And, you know, now we're, I'm getting to the end of this week and, you know, technically it's a short week because we had, you know, the holiday on Monday here in the U S but, um, I'm, I just feel overwhelmed with the amount of work that's piled up. And, you know, as we were talking before, some, some videos, yeah, uh, that I'm working on and, you know, it, it is what it is, but you know, it's, it's the eternal it was struggle good to get away. Yeah. It's the eternal, it was good to get away. it's the eternal struggle of the creator. Um, and it's like, I find it funny because like, obviously when it comes to this podcast, it's not just that we have like the pocket now weekly or the pocket now, like content on a podcast or anything like that. It is still two creators sitting down and talking. So even then, like, even if I were to have Jaime on, and the thing is, I think I've mentioned to you, um, uh, I want to make sure to have Jaime on next week because I'm sure he's going to have so many thoughts after WWDC. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not going to talk about WWDC. There's, there's no use in speculating what's going to happen because it's going to happen in days. So we're just going to wait until next week for that. 
Um, even he and I, when we're on the show, it's just like, oh, we have so much stuff to do. Like we're constantly in contact talking about like upcoming videos on the channel and stuff like that. So yeah, it's very much a, um, it's very, it's very much an eternal struggle, but I'm glad you were able to have some of that rest at the very least. Yeah. That's the thing. It's you, you get away for a week and it's not like, I really wish, you know, sometimes it was like an hourly job where you could just check out. And when you check back in, you just clock back in and start work exactly where you left off here mm -hmm. it's just everything just piles up for a week and then do you, you think gotta pick this back is funny right that's getting more existential but like do you think part of the reason why it's hard for us to because i was about to say we can do that we can like say five o'clock and then just stop but do you think part of the reason why it's so hard for us to do that is because we actually really do enjoy what we do like hardships and all i, I would say yes i mean the only reason why I do this job is because I enjoy it, but there's those times where we live in this 24 hour 365 cycle that, you know, we're getting emails from people in China at three in the morning uh, for you. It's like midnight mm -hmm. uh, based off of time difference. But, you know, I'm getting emails constantly throughout the day. People are in communication, even though Monday was a holiday here in the U.S., it's not a holiday in Europe. It's not a holiday in China or Japan or Korea. And, you know, the emails keep on coming in. And so even though you, you try to say, you know, today is a holiday, I'm not going to do any work. The work just gets postponed for the next day, which means you have double the work the next day. Um, if I didn't love the job, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, I my previous job, uh, corporate job working, you know, at a financial institution, I, I like the job. I just made it sure... I had a hard stop. Everyone else was putting in 50 hours a week or even more. I was putting in about 45 hours a week. I would work over my lunches just to make sure I could get out of there pretty much at five o'clock every day and make yeah, sure. When, when you have the hard make stop, sure you actually I work it. towards the hard stop. <laughs> yeah, and it, pretty much I had a hard stop because my wife and I commuted together. So oh. you know, my boss knew, you know, I got to leave. My wife is off work. We got to pick up curls from daycare, things like that. Uh, but I made sure I I would get my specific work done so that I didn't have to work on the weekend. And you have to be mindful of that because if if you're not working ahead with that goal in mind, you know, even with, you know, salary jobs, things bleed over into the weekend or into the evenings. People take their laptops home and work from home uh, even before this pandemic. So uh, I was always mindful of that. But with this job, the work just never ends. So it's either I can put it off till Monday or I can answer this email right now. It's my choice. I, I have to do it either way. Well, we have no, we have no shortage of products that continue to come. So we are, I, I do want to in a little bit double back on something that you did sort of sort of miss. I think you were just about to go on your vacation when I had TK on to react to Google I.O. So we will talk about that a little bit. Um, the uh, The first thing I wanted to mention, though, and it's very Google- centric is uh, a release of the new pixel buds and now maybe by the grace of god you and i both don't really have them yet <laughs> so we don't have to do that content for now but uh some reactions to the pixel buds a series um and i guess we can start with how weird is this naming convention <laughs> yeah i mean with the smartphones they call it you know the pixel 3a the pixel 4a and then they just add a series behind it which makes it sound like there's going to be multiple within this series mm -hmm. but the generic name of the a series implies that there might only be one who knows but it's essentially the pixel buds 
And A series kind of stands for affordable series as it does with their smartphones. And you're looking at $99, you know, pixel buds that lose some of the main features of the originals. You don't have the touch gestures anymore. Uh, I believe the no only more gesture volume control. Yeah, no more volume control. The only gesture that's still there, I think you can simply tap it to pause and play the music. Uh, there's no, and then there's no noise cancellation as well. And so even though they are $99, they're losing some of the features that made the Pixel Buds as good as they were. I mean, um, I definitely loved the Pixel Buds and you still use them on a regular basis with you know all the other you know Buds that I, I have these days. But they were unique in their look as at least the design has stayed the same. We have a new color, uh, I believe with the, I think they're calling it olive. Yeah, dark, olive. like deep olive, I think is the term for this new color. Uh, which looks pretty interesting. The case is still white, but the buds uh, are the olive color. Yeah. I mean, they look pretty good. I see some uh, some close-ups of them right now. I noticed that the ear hooks are integrated now. You really can't take them out. Um, and, you know, I, I have always liked the look of the Pixel Buds, but I just keep thinking to myself that... I find it interesting whenever something like an A series or like a, a budget version or a slimmed down version of a flagship product comes out because it does give you a glimpse into what these companies view as important premium features. And of course, active noise cancellation is one of them. But like touch gestures, one of the sensors for ear detect has been taken out. So it's kind of funny to me how they would like cut some of these corners to justify a $99 price point. Um, as far as Google is concerned, though, like, yes, the A lettering does make it seem like it's a more affordable version, but I don't know if in the earbud market, $99 for the Pixel Buds A, again, a weird mm -hmm. name, is enough to justify getting these over the myriad, the, the multitudes of other earbuds that do come with things like active noise cancellation and stuff like that. Yeah, because if you get into the $120 range, mm -hmm. uh, you have quite a large selection of buds. Uh, I think even the Samsung Galaxy Buds Plus um, have noise cancellation. I think they're one, 119 or 129 I can't believe right. Like the price has dropped for those. Uh, but even even then, there there are quite a few $99 earbuds that do come with noise cancellation as well. I mean, they're not the bigger brands that, you know, we're all used to, but there are pretty good products out there for that price point. And honestly, like based off of the feature set that Google introduces with, I would say $79.99 would probably be the better price point to look, look at these for. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, on, you know, Prime Day coming up or some other sales that are, you know, at the end of the year, we're going to see these at $79.99 or even less. Uh, with the sales that come, but around. even then, you would see them right next to. We're talking about Prime Day. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole show in and of itself. Their own Echo Buds. Yeah, Echo Buds are. I forget the price of the Echo Buds, but they're right around the same price, mm -hmm. offering offering noise cancellation, which again is not available on the Pixel Buds A series. The, I did uh, I did a review over on my channel of the Echo Buds, the second gen, the newest ones that just came out. One nineteen. 
119 yeah. without wireless charging. So they're only $20 more than the Pixel Buds. Um, and they have their oh, own. Oh, and that's the thing. The, the Pixel Buds A-series did lose the wireless charging, right? Yes, that's the other feature that's lost. Um, but yeah, for $20 more, you actually get active noise cancellation in the Echo Buds. So you can make the argument that like, you know, you can make the Google Assistant slash Alexa argument, uh, which one might be more useful to you, blah, blah, blah. I actually really like how the Echoes, the Echo products integrate notifications through smartphones. I actually kind of like that a lot. Um, but yeah, $20 more for the active noise cancellation, it's not that far off. Um, so I'm not, it's interesting to me. Like you're, you're, you, it could be easy to write it off and say you're paying for the Google name, but you could say the same for Amazon. But around that same price point, you have so many choices. And I would actually say the Echo Buds are pretty compelling between these two. Well, and to be fair, I, I think it's one of those things where these have, this whole product category has become a commodity category. If you look back to the first true wireless earbuds that came out, I don't know, three and a half, four years ago now, and they were priced at $250 for, for the longest time, and they didn't offer noise cancellation at that price point, and things have come down significantly since then. Uh, it's It's really nice to see these products at these price points but again it's become a commodity product where you can get all the same features as what the pixel buds a series have for 79 or even 49.99 mm -hmm. if you're really on on the lookout for a budget series product doesn't it it, it kind of feels like and i'm, I'm going to use this to dovetail into a slightly different conversation but it's almost as if like we've not really plateaued, but we're sort of coasting. Like we know exactly, or companies know exactly what features to put into their earbuds, how to price them at a certain way. And, and in a way, it, you, you have the curse of comparison. You just have so many of them to choose from, but they all kind of do the same thing at this point. So it's hard to differentiate in a way, which kind of actually leads me to a slightly different conversation. Um, I'm not going to rant, though I could get dangerously close to it. Um, smart watch manufacturers i'm not going to say that earbud companies or audio products uh companies are getting lazy but can i venture to say that in some ways the smartwatch is starting to become a lazy product category like there are a lot of smartwatches coming out recently uh the advent of the the the, the rise of rtos so you don't need to have wear os or apple watch os at all you could just have this sort of generic able to do some tracking able to do some notification software on there and it's almost as if every single company is jumping on that bandwagon just to have an offering and it's a commodity like you said with earbuds the reason why i say this is because i actually just received um this sounds weird to say but the red magic watch so red magic is making a watch and you would think oh gamer stylings and gamer features on that no it's rtos <laughs> it's like got really nothing it's added RTOS, to it and it doesn't really look gamery at all not at all it look if, if you ask me it looks like a cheaper huawei watch um first gen and there is one red line on the power button but that's about it 10 bucks says it's made by the parent company of amazfit could be let me look at the back here not a i mean lot you're not gonna find you you'd have to do some software snooping around to, to figure that out but oh, i, I, I would say 10 bucks 10 bucks it's made by the same company that makes all the amazing fit watches it could be i mean i like the look it's fine it doesn't feel particularly premium like i don't think i'll do a full 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 video on this i'll probably do like some sort of youtube shorts on it just to you know say but it it's 
like on the one the hand, the question is, mm-hmm. is it better than the OnePlus watch? Though? No, it's not. Because <laughs> <laughs> that watch is pretty bad. Well, no, here's the thing, though. The OnePlus watch with some of its updates uh, has become a little bit more. Co- it has, it's, it's, it's gained a little bit more notoriety in my eyes. Yeah, but they still haven't fit, fixed the fitness tracking, the GPS tracking on it. And uh, it's so frustrating. A fitness, tr- a fitness tracking watch that's puts so much dedication into tracking your location. And they talked about how they have advanced tracking and new satellite functionality. It's not working, yeah. And it tracks incorrectly every time. I, and yeah, everybody I says the same thing. Like, you I, you failed right out of the gate. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, if go, go walk around the block. If it tracks you the same distance as your phone does with that watch on, I think it beats the OnePlus watch. I, that's the only... That's the only thing that needs to be measured by. Like, if you can't get GPS location right, what else are you going to get wrong? Fair, fair. I, I agree with you there. Um, it is still one of the uh, contentious points when it comes to the OnePlus watch. But flipping the script a little bit, if I were to talk about the features that I know I want to work for sure, I get that the tracking, fitness tracking and all that is important. What is also important, if I were to use these two examples, I have the Red Magic Watch and then I have actually the TicWatch GTH, which is another RTOS watch. Um, that is simple. It's all about like heart tracking and all that stuff. Like it's, it, it can do all of that stuff. That's fine. But what I mean by these companies are getting a little bit lazy is like on the TickWatch GTH, when a notification comes in, why is it the ASCII font? Like there's no style to that like notification. It looks like a, it looks like a DOS font. So that's the first thing I think of. And then on, uh, and then on the magic, on the magic, on the red magic watch, uh, I was playing a podcast, and when I swipe over to the music controls, it doesn't let me control it at all. It's proprietary to the app that is connected to your phone, connected to the Red Magic app. It's really odd. Like, let me control YouTube and Pocket Casts. And it's just, I'm getting kind of frustrated with this whole, like, every manufacturer is making a cheap watch. This is like the definition of commodification. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I feel like the smartwatch market's getting a little lazy. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that point. There's, you know, even within the Android ecosystem, we've kind of seen the same thing with Wear, as it's called now, instead of Wear OS. Which we're going to talk about in a sec. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's everyone has kind of, you know, just jumped in saying this is the minimum hardware specs. And, you know, these are the requirements to do a smartwatch and here's my version of it. And I I think some of this falls back on Google within the Wear ecosystem because they really haven't allowed manufacturers to customize the operating system to allow them to differentiate their products. Because honestly, you buy a Fossil product, it looks the same within the operating system as a Suunto smartwatch. It looks the same as, you know, it any of the other 15 brands that are making you know Wear OS smartwatches at this time but hopefully we're going to see that change soon with you know what Google announced with Wear OS or Wear now uh, at Google IO a couple weeks back yeah uh, sorry, I was just Jaime was just checking up on me on me for a second, so I got distracted. But yeah, you're right. There's there's um and and this is a this is an overarching point about how Google has created sort of like the ecosystems of Android and of Wear and whatnot. And we're gonna get into that a little bit later with Huawei and 
what is basically the version of Android. I mean, let's just not even mince words there. Um, but we're going to get to that after the break. Uh, up until the break, though, I did want to make sure to get your thoughts, Mr. Fandroid himself, about what happened at Google I.O. So, of course, you just talked about where, and one of the big things that blew my mind and TK's mind was that they said on stage, they literally used a competitor's term in a non-competitor way. They literally are working with Samsung to build where up from the ground up. Effectively well, absorbing I, Tizen, right? So here's the thing. I think uh, what was announced it has been misconstrued a little bit. I don't think they're rebuilding Wear OS from the ground up. They're simply integrating some yeah. some of the features, features, not code per se, but features that are built into Tyson OS. Like it's still I'm being generous. Uh, fun, but I, I am being generous by saying they're building it from the ground up. I agree. <laughs> well, but so no, but a lot, a lot of. A lot of people I've I've watched like three or four different videos about this, and because of the way they presented the information, it made it sound like there was this deep integration. And really, what the integration is is Samsung's going to give up on Tyson OS for smartwatches, come over to Wear OS, and bring in their watch customization, watch face customization features, and a couple other UI features, and they're going to integrate that into Wear OS and the final product is going to be called Wear. Mm -hmm. And as if it's I, I not think confusing it's, enough already. <laughs> no, and like how do you like when you when you have a name that's supposed to be a noun that's a verb, it's so confusing. Yeah. I, like as long as you add OS behind it, you can then justify it as a noun. But when they do that all the time, right? Fit, auto, wear. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And well, but the the difference is like auto is a noun, right? It's, right. It, it's not a verb. And so where is a verb acting as a noun, which is just so confusing. But beyond that, I, I think it's a good thing with this integration, mainly because Samsung is, besides Apple, Samsung is the number two smartwatch maker. Well, if you don't count Amazfit and the products that it makes for everybody else. Yeah, if you don't count RTOS all over well, the place. Well, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about RTOS as an operating system, but as a manufacturer, right? Oh, sure, so sure, Ama sure. Amazfit does make their own watches. They make watches for Xiaomi and a couple other brands as well. So they're there. Uh, but Samsung is, you know, the biggest known player besides Apple within the smartwatch sector and this is going to be big for Wear and Google simply because it's going to be bringing in a lot of customers back into the fold and for developers to say, hey, we no longer need to create dedicated apps for Tizen OS for Samsung and then dedicated apps for Wear. We can make a single app that's going to work on all of these devices and make things easier for developers, which means Android users or Wear users are going to have a wider selection of apps to choose from and better apps at that. Mm -hmm. I, I apologize for the leaf blower in the background <laughs> right now. I mean, I've heard it, but it's, it's fine. It's ambiance at this point. Like, you know, we're, I, I, I've definitely uh, adopted more of a like chill out attitude when it comes to, I mean, it's Friday morning, well, Friday afternoon now for both of us. Friday afternoon. And um, yeah, like, okay, anyway, but coming back to Wear. Um, there is a love, there's still so much that's unanswered though, as far as yes. 
um, like how it's going. Like we did, we did get a look at some some of the things that it'll that that design wise it'll look like. Uh, the cards are still a thing, and Tyson's own cards are going to be more or less integrated into it. So there are certain familiarities between the two operating systems. Um, and app developers will be able to create their own cards. Yes, which is huge. That is a good one. Um, so almost as if like making widgets for android correct um but the other thing too even is, though app developers don't really make good widgets for android right? that's kind of true yeah i was thinking that too um but the other thing after that is we don't know if current wear os devices will get some sort of update i imagine that would be the case i imagine some sort of like software uh ba- like some something in the app maybe a new wear app it's still called wear os right now in the play store but maybe a wear app will replace it and then I don't know if it needs to be flashed. Like, who? How would this work with current smartwatches? Because there are a lot of them out there that people still are looking at. Um, if you were to get like a TickWatch Pro, for example, could you get it updated with this new version of Wear? So the thing is, we've Google's actually been pretty good with working with manufacturers to get software updates to their smartwatch platform. We've seen we've seen some smartwatches that were a year and a half to two years old that got updated with newer versions of Wear OS. Um, and so I'm really not worried too much about that. We did, I, I, there was a specific announcement from Samsung saying that none of their Tizen OS watches would be updated to Wear, mm. which means if you're running a Tizen OS smartwatch right now, it's going to be on Tizen OS. They did say that they are going to be continuing updates and supporting those watches uh, for the next couple of years, just so that you know their customers aren't you know just left out in the cold. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe you know any we still don't have a release date right for when Wear is going to be making it onto the market. They say sometime later this year. Hopefully, it's going to be later this summer or early fall. Um, I, I do believe that some, some, not all watches that have launched within the past 12 months will be updating to the new version of Wear because it's still the underlying code. It's not a huge difference. They're simply adding some new features, uh, not unlike some of the latest versions of Wear OS updates that have come within the last two years. Yeah, indeed. Um, so that's hopefully we're going to see like a real not really reworking like i said I, I was hoping it might be from the ground up but i did joke that google samsung fitbit we, it took three companies to fix this operating system <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm curious to see how the fitbit integration comes along because they I announced think it's going to be an the, app the, it's just going to be it, an app. well they 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 announced that a fitbit app yeah, was yeah. coming i think that's all my question is like is the fitbit app going to be the replacement for google fit Ooh, right, that because, is a good question. Because here's the thing. The whole reason why Apple's ecosystem works so well is because, well, there's one watch, or they have multiple watches. They're all running the same software, and there's a single fitness app that they all use. Mm-hmm. And that single fitness app has this gamification of fitness built in. You can challenge your friends to it. Fitbit has that same kind of feature within its ecosystem already with its Fitbit product. You can... You can start challenges. You can, you know, challenge your friends to a certain challenge. You can keep track of each other's activities. Similar, not completely similar to what you do on Apple's devices, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. We don't have that on Wear OS right now. Yeah, we have Google Fit, which does all the tracking, but there's no way to create or find friends 
within Google Fit. You're alone, isolated in your own fitness world, where apps like Strava or, you know, Map My Run or any of the other fitness apps have this friend ecosystem that allows you to see when someone went on a run that allows, you know, if you want to share that information or challenge somebody to a certain fitness activity, we need that as a platform level system. And maybe the Fitbit app will become that platform level system. Mm -hmm. If not, it's just another app that you download, just like any other app that you download. And then people are simply choosing, well, which app do I want to use the Fitbit app or do I want to use Strava? Do I want to use Map My Run? Do I want to use all these other ones? And you're not going to have a large ecosystem of people because they're still all going to be divided up, you know, within all these different categories. Yeah, I'm definitely being I'm definitely being cynical when it comes to the the Fitbit integrations. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was very excited when Google and Samsung like that whole thing came together, and I was like, that's awesome. But then when Fitbit comes on, they're like, our tracking will be available on the new Wear, and I'm like, it's it's an app. <laughs> like, it's congratulations, just an app. <laughs> you can use GPS tracking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm a little bit cynical in that regard. Um, before we get into the break to talk even more about like the offshoots of Android, of course, I'm talking about Huawei. Um, one quick. Th- Th- uh, one quick uh, a question for you. Have you installed the Android 12 beta on anything? I do. I have it installed on my Pixel 4. Did you have any early impressions you wanted to share? TK had plenty to say in, in the show that we did right after IO, but I wanted to see what you thought. Early impressions with uh, Android 12 based off of what they showed at Google I.O. I was very impressed, especially with their new you know, whole, uh, what are they calling it? Uh, material me, me. M- material me. I was oh, going to no, say material me UI material or material you. Yeah, yeah. I was going to call it me UI there for a second. Uh, <laughs> these names of user interfaces gets kind of crazy, but I, I was really excited to see the amount of customizations that they're going to be putting into this, so that Android isn't just this generic slate, and there's an underlying theming system throughout the operating system that. Um, you know, other manufacturers can choose or not choose to implement. Hopefully they will rather than creating their own. Uh, and you have to live in this, you know, offshoot of a bubble and not, you know, take full advantage of the operating system. But I, you know, I went and installed Android 12 on my Pixel 4, hoping to see some of these new widgets, some of these <laughs> color customizations based off of your wallpaper and load it up. And I'm like, digging through the settings, digging through the settings, not there, not <laughs> there. And it's really... It's really sad because Google gave some outlets a full preview or a full build of what this is actually going to look like, a working build with these customization options. So I'm watching these videos. I'm like, oh, they've got it. They've got it. Where's mine? Yeah. And lo and behold, most of these customization features, especially specifically with the UI, have not been implemented in this first first version of the beta. They'll be coming later on, but uh, I, I was really excited to play with it, but it's just not there yet. How about the general look uh, so far? Because like, for, for example, um, one of the things that really struck me is that everything is bubblier and bigger. It's very playful, <laughs> extremely playful. I, honestly, I love the bubbly look. I, I hate technology that takes itself too seriously. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, when you have, you know, a super clean, ultra modern interface that, you know, hard edges and it, it's just trying to look like you expect technology to look rather than having a more organic feel. And I think this has an extremely organic feel. 
Um, you know, the, the big bubbly things might not be for everybody, but you can change the shapes of the bubbles at least. Right. True. Uh, and hopefully, you know, later on, you know, you might be able to, you know, remove the bubbles completely. So it's just the elements themselves or also, you know, change gradients here or there and have more customization. We'll see. I mean, this is for Android 12 and Android 13 and 14 are coming as well. So who knows? My favorite still is um, the settings button in the quick settings is in the in the, the settings button in the shade, I should say, is bigger than it's ever been. Like, that's still my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. That they're like, here, get into settings. Yeah. We've kind of hidden it before. It's this little tiny touch target. And now it's massive. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so uh, that will cover it at least for like some of the Google stuff. I wanted to be sure that Mr. Fandroid talked about uh, all the Android stuff. But now we have an offshoot that is uh, going to be making some waves. Uh, we're going to talk some of the Huawei stuff that happened this past week. So let's go ahead and do that after the break. What's funny is I keep talking about what we're going to talk about after the break. I'm going to delay it one more time because I have one more thing I wanted to get reactions on. (laughs) Of course you do. What's so funny is I had like topics like in line, but for some reason during the show, I'm actually really scatterbrained. Um, It's been, it's been a while since we've had like this, like certain pieces of news come out. And this one I think is really interesting. And our first reactions to Twitter blue like, mm-hmm. did you see this? Twitter blue, we're basically being told we have to get the things that we want on any service that we use. We're pretty much going to have to pay one way or another, whether it's through our data or through our pockets. <laughs> so, Or twi- both. Or both, which is what Twitter blue kind of seems like. Um, Twitter blue, what were some of the features? Like, do you, are you part of the masses who really was wishing for like a delete button or categorization of tweet content or anything like that? Um, are, are you one of these... Uh, these massive Twitter users? I I have to say that I'm not uh, simply because Twitter and for that part, like most social media for the last couple of years has completely ignored what the masses actually need in favor of, Hey, let's find a way to put more ads in front of you. I, I will say my Twitter use this past year has gone down like 85%. Mm which sounds crazy for somebody who's, you know, within the tech space, you know, tech journalist and YouTuber or something like that. It's it's one of those things where I used to rely on the service for information, like up-to-date information on, you know, product releases, on leaks and things like that. And it's just become so much more unreliable for those things that it's it's just not one of my main go-to sources of information anymore and as such it's i've been using it far less than i ever did yeah you and i have had social media episodes in the past when i was yeah. like struggling with how it like messes with my psyche well twitter blue, and i kept saying just put it away just put it away yeah <laughs> just well, put it away now now it's the complete opposite it's not just putting it away it's now we're gonna pay for some stuff now pay for it yeah so twitter blue um currently only coming out in australia and canada i believe those were the two that i saw mm-hmm. um so to be clear free twitter as we know it is still gonna be around you'll be able to access all content nothing will be behind the paywall or anything like that as far as content is concerned however the way that you engage with the content will be a little bit different for example you're going to have uh, the ability to bookmark uh tweets put them in folders make it so that you can find uh your favorite tweets or favorite accounts very easily uh which makes sense to me there's i mean twitter is a vast sea of people and content um and then after that the big thing is the ability to undo a tweet 
This is not a deletion of tweets. Um, I mean, you can always delete your old tweets, but what I'm saying here is what you have here is a button that is a lot like the Gmail unsend button that mm -hmm. is up there for up to 30 seconds in the case of Twitter Blue. So you get to look at it and stare at it and think to yourself, do I really need to post this? And what I find funny about this whole feature is I think a lot of people are not going to care. They're still going to post it. <laughs> like It's not going to deter riffraff. <laughs> Yeah, so you know what I would actually pay two ninety nine a month for? Editing tweets. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like, not delete, just edit. I just want to edit the words that are going out because I put a typo in there or I forgot to add my image. Uh, you know, I posted a tweet and I just wanted to put an image with it and I forgot about it. Or you said Star Wars sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That is not Star a stance. Star Wars does suck. I That's mean, not a stance. I've... It is a joke. <laughs> I love Star Wars, and I've gotten my children to be addicted to it. So, um, no, it's one of those things where like nobody asked for this feature, and honestly, every like all the services that offer this feature offer this same feature for free. Yeah, and some of the organization like bookmarking tweets and stuff like that, there's plugins in Chrome for that. There's applications for that that'll do it for free. And if anyone's wanted to do that, they've been doing that for free for years now. This is not something that I think, yes, there will be a substantial amount of people who subscribe to this for those features, but it will be the overwhelming minority of Twitter users. Yeah, I would say I would say less than one percent of people are going to subscribe to the service based off of the features that they're offering. And it's almost as if okay, so as far as prices are concerned, like I said, it's Canada and Australia. In Canada, it's three forty nine, three dollars forty nine, uh, and in Australia, it's four forty nine. Uh, so it would be like sub five bucks. I would I would say when it finally comes to the U.S. Um, but the what I find so funny about this is Twitter constantly thinks. That its content or the content on its platform, it's not Twitter's content, it's creators, by people who are tweeting and all of that, that all the content on its platform is, I want to say, fancier than it actually is. Like this reader mode that they have where you're looking at like a really like well thought out tweet and a, and, a, and a thread of it and all of that. That's fine. I get that. Um, there's also content like voice, uh, the voice channels, and you can make a newsletter of your tweets that like that like aggregates mm -hmm. it over the like last number of days or whatnot. But the thing is, Twitter always thinks or uses these opportunities to show off new features or to talk about stuff, assuming that people view that that content like a newsletter or like a blog when in reality the majority of the content that we're probably reacting to is like i ate a taco lol <laughs> it's a random thought that i'm sharing with random people that are following me exactly. congratulations twitter <laughs> yeah so like who's book who's bookmarking that and or rather that's the stuff that's actually going to be bookmarked that's the actual stuff that's going to go through the reader mode but it's like the marketing being done on this is just so funny to me because it's like it's taking itself way too seriously yeah it's i don't know it's one of those things where as i said like if you gave me an edit button i'd i'd subscribe for that, that. Would be it. that's the only like thing. That, that like i just give me nine give me 99 cents for an edit button that's all i want and i i would pay you you know 12 bucks a year yeah all right well just wanted to be sure i put that out there i mean this is technically a 
a bit of a casual news show. Uh, and the final piece of news uh, is coming out of Huawei. We, Huawei, you asked me, did I see the Huawei stuff? And I'm like, there was a Huawei thing this week? I totally forgot. Um, They're still a company, you know? <laughs> in this country? Are we sure about that? Anyway. <laughs> not, not in this country. Everywhere else in the world. All right. Hopefully. So Huawei's, um, they're going big in, in more ways than one. So we have not only the the announcement or the teaser in some ways of uh, the Huawei P50, um, which <laughs> why don't we start with that? Uh, looking at the renders of this phone, um, they just don't give an F anymore, do they? It's just <laughs> put the biggest camera modules you can on the back. Good, goodness gracious. Well, and the look of it. So it looks like there's two camera modules. There's mm-hmm. two large circles, but one circle has one camera in it. The other one has three mm-hmm. or four. I, I, I can't even. Yeah. So we saw this, you know, this rendered preview of this device. They talked about it and they showed it off without saying anything else about the phone and also stating that. The phone has been delayed for reasons that you know about, <laughs> saying it will be unveiled at a future date. And that's it. Um, a lot of things are going into this with, you know, the chipset shortage, uh, the their inability to create certain certain chipsets that they manufacture themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, We've seen now some Qualcomm chipsets being used in some of their newest devices, uh, which they didn't do before. Um, But yeah, the U.S. trade embargo, not the trade embargo, but being on the U.S. entities list has really wrecked havoc on Huawei's business model. The whole reason why they spun off the Honor brand and Honor is trying to go off on their own and try to do things and try to recover some business on that end. Uh, but it's just interesting to see, like, you know, here's a phone that was supposed to be announced probably in February of this year, and it's still delayed. We are at the beginning of June, and we have no clue when the device is going to be unveiled. Um, and, you know, let's, you know, besides their, you know, infrastructure products, you know, within, you know, 5, 4G and 5G communications that they sell to service providers all around the globe, smartphones are the other way that they make a huge chunk of their business and sales are down 30 to 40 percent year over year for them and you know if they can't get another smartphone on the market it's going to be even worse Mm, indeed um still excited for like what the phone might be able to bring whenever it does bring it out because there's still Mm -hmm. despite the fact that google play services is no longer on any of the recent huawei devices they're still by and large like lauded for being high high performing top tier devices especially when it comes to the cameras i mean still got the Leica on the back i mean the render is very clearly showing yep. that like a partnership is still in the mix but still you know this is this is camera technology that unfortunately so many people don't get to enjoy and we're not going to mm-hmm. get into the politics or anything about like the ban or anything like that one thing i will mention though is that i saw a new story that xiaomi was officially taken off of the entities list because it was proven that they haven't really done anything wrong so there you go. Yeah, because they 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 sued the U.S. government and said, "Hey, where's yeah, your proof?" And they're exactly. like, "Ah, oh, we got none." <laughs> so yeah, like I'm personally, and not to say that it's a full on bias, but I really love pretty much everything that Xiaomi puts out. Like I'm a big fan. Um, so glad for that. But anyway, in terms of Huawei, you're right. Like this whole this whole entities list embargoes, and of course, like the chip shortage across the world. Like this is all really hurting what could be like their biggest release of 
ever uh, because mm-hmm. not just is it, it's not just the latest phone in the P line, but it's also their first full foray into this whole Harmony OS ecosystem, um, which. Harmony OS is not just going to be a phone operating system. Apparently, it's also going to be coming on their upcoming smartwatch. It's part of their smartwatch too. Yeah, and so there's there's some distinctions though between while they are calling all of it Harmony OS, mm-hmm. they're they're calling their smartwatch operating system Harmony OS, their tablet system Harmony OS, their smartphone system Harmony OS, and then Internet of Things. So you can put it on a smart speaker, you can put it on Bluetooth headphones. Um, they're calling it all Harmony OS yeah. when in reality there are a couple different variations of it. So what's running on the smartwatch isn't necessarily Harmony OS. It's just the updated version of whatever they were running. I forget the name of it that they were running previously on their other smartwatches. They just changed the name of it. Yeah. And it's not actually based off of Android. What they're going to be running on their smartphones and what is running on the tablet that they announced this week Mm, is yes, the tablet is a right. fork of Android. Uh, and they're trying to keep that as low-key as possible and not tell anybody about it. But if you dig into it, it is running Android. It runs Android applications. It It's based off of AOSP. It's a fork of Android, just like Fire OS uh, with Amazon's Fire tablets are a fork of Android. Yeah. Uh, but they're just going out of their way not to make a single reference to Android in anything, which is kind of crazy. So what, um, so, okay, one quick thing about the watch. Like, I would be interested to check out the watch because when I look back, the Huawei watch, uh, Gen 1 and 2, I was a big fan of them. They did a really good job. Um, they were also like really great examples early on of how powerful, yeah, <laughs> uh, among one. the myriad of watches. I need to make one of those. I have too many watches now too. Um, but yeah, the the Huawei watches and also the Honor watch, the Magic Watch, I believe they called it early mm-hmm. on. Um, they were really good examples of what like an RTOS plus, because it's not just RTOS. It's more than No, that. they actually put in the work to yeah, exactly. make it more than what the basic RTOS watches that are currently out on the market. Exactly. Offer. That's a great example. Like I was like, to, to double back, that's a great example of putting in a little bit of extra effort to really mm-hmm. make it work quite well, especially when you integrate it with the correct smartphone. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, when it comes to Harmony OS, I, I love seeing all of these articles right now that are like, it's Android. It's it's it, just it's Android. Android. <laughs> but you were telling me there are some Harmony OS editions that you're actually kind of excited for. I am. So like while everybody, like anyone within the tech community that's been following the news this past week has probably heard it already. It is Android. But they've actually done some work to differentiate it from Android in a couple different ways that make it pretty interesting. And I really wish some of these features would make its way to Google's version of Android that we're going to be getting because at this point, it's it's kind of crazy that Huawei thought of these features and not Google and not even Apple on iOS. So one of one of the main things is they, they're introducing this new atomic services framework, which is a underlying communications framework between devices that are running Harmony OS. So it doesn't matter which version of Harmony OS. So if you're watching, if you're running the smartwatch version, if you're running the TV version, where they're not all truly Android, this atomic framework is atomic services framework is going to be running in the background, which is a communications backhaul 
uh, that really allows the devices to sync up in a way that we've never seen smart devices sync up before. So much so that uh, if you have your devices paired and say you have Bluetooth headphones and they're connected to your smartphone and also you've connected to your smart TV that's running Harmony OS mm. with your smartphone, you can then say, hey, these Bluetooth headphones, I want to pair them to my TV so that I can listen to my TV with these headphones without having to open up the menu on your TV system, go in, sync your headphones, and then pair them with your headphones. Uh, you can do it directly from your smartphone. And the interface is super simple. Hmm. Uh, they create this system called a super device. So all the devices that you have with Harmony OS can be synced up to create a super device. And then within the interface, you simply drag and drop the connections that you want. So it's not turn Bluetooth on or turn Bluetooth off or whatever. You have your main device and then you have your encompassing devices and you simply say, drag and drop this one. So if you're watching a video on your smartphone and you want to play it on your TV, you open up this interface and you, it's kind of like Chromecast a little bit uh, instead of, but it's a drag and drop interface. So you just drag and drop your smartphone and your TV together and they pair up and whatever you're doing on your smartphone then goes to your TV. So then you can, you can pair the video from your TV, from your smartphone to your TV, but then also your headphones, and then it's playing on the TV from your smartphone, but you're listening to it from your headphones as well. It's kind of wow. crazy. Yeah. But then they've created this underlying framework as well that applies to Android in a completely different way where if you're working on your smartphone and you have an application open, and say, hey, I wanna use this on my tablet. In the past, you'd be able to sync a Google Doc and open a Google Doc from your tablet, from your smartphone. But what this allows is you can share the state of that application. Say you're working within, say you're working within Google Docs. You can drag, so you can open up the super device interface and drag it from your phone within the multitasking screen to your tablet, and it opens up the application exactly where you were wow. same for same for games you can be playing a game and be like nah this sucks on a small screen i want to play it on my tablet you can drag you're in the middle of a match or something you can drag it directly to a tablet and pick up in the middle of a match hmm. which is crazy and so you know developers do need to take advantage of this new atomic services framework in order to make this work uh, because it won't work without it. So developers will have to update their applications in order to use this. But then the reverse is true as well. You can be on the tablet and then you can look at all the applications you had open on your phone from the tablet. You know, say your phone's in your backpack or something and you're across the house and you're like, ah, I was just doing that thing on my phone. And you can open an active application from the tablet and pick up exactly where you left off on a phone that's in your backpack. Interesting. I do like, like that. You, like we, we have all these like nearby share things or, <laughs> you know, being able to share things, you know, between Mac devices, you can, you know, sync a display or something like this. Never have you been able to sync an active application or ap application state and say this, like I'm in Photoshop and I want to transfer exactly what I'm doing in Photoshop to another device without having to, you know, save a file, open Photoshop, open the things, you know, figure out where my tools were. It, it's just insane. And the fact that Huawei came up with this is kind of crazy. 
the real question is, is it actually going to be implemented in the way that they showed it? Because I have my doubts that it will be as smooth as what they showed, but if they get close to it, it's going to be honestly a game changer. That is a lot of work. Um, and I was I was going to make the point that like app developers, they have kind of a low barrier of entry if the back end of Harmony OS is Android to begin with. But still, mm-hmm. it's still a lot of work uh, to create that sort of synergy between all of those devices. Um, yep. That's really interesting, though. I do like that. Um, and what I find funny here is that all of these features hopefully will be rolling out to pretty much every Huawei device that has been out. Um, talk about a massive software dump. <laughs> For a lot More than a hundred devices. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Huawei did, Huawei put in a lot of work before 2019. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Harmony OS coming out. Um, you're right. It's not, it's not the same exact OS across devices, but they're hopefully um, going to really, really, um, what's the term I'm looking for here? They're going to do justice to the term harmony. There you go. That was what I wanted to say. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, so the thing that I'm most excited about as well is if Harmony OS does take off and there's some rumors that manufacturers like Meizu might jump on board with Harmony OS since they don't have a US presence. I don't think Meizu sells any devices that have Google Play services, so they're, they wouldn't be in breach of contract with Google over any of that. Because uh, they have some, you know, contract stipulations. If you, if you have Google Play services on some devices, you can't, you know, go with a split fork system uh, on something else. But if Harmony OS does take off, it will give Android and iOS another third large competitor. And you know, this feature with you know the atomic services and the multitasking sharing between devices. This is something that neither of those platforms have even thought of. Mm-hmm. To see competitive ideas this early out of the gate makes me excited for, hey, we might actually have you know a, some new incentive from Google and Apple to move things forward a lot quicker with some other ideas that they might not have you know pushed forward you know without a third player in the race. Yeah, um, and who knows if Harmony OS is just going to remain in China? And let's say let's let's broaden that horizon a little bit and say if it's just going to be in Asia, wouldn't it be interesting to have like region specific operating system experiences? Like we could have people in the U.S. saying like, "Oh, have you tried Harmony OS? Though it's only in Asia, <laughs> it's only yeah. out there." Well, I mean, so it would pretty much be anywhere that Huawei has devices. So all over, you know everywhere except for the u.s mainly pretty much that's true uh the u.s and canada because huawei has a huge presence over in europe i mean they they had i think closing in on 20 to 25 percent of the market over there but that's still a nuance that i want to explore more we don't know I, i haven't spoken to enough people that we know in europe to ask them like how has the transition been if you're still using huawei devices but you don't have access to any of the google stuff because i know that if i if and when i travel to europe i still rely on all the google stuff you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things where yes, they haven't. So I think it's two years now that they were banned. Mm-hmm. But any devices that w- that were announced had already gotten Google Play services certification. So I think it's like through the end of August of that year that new devices, and then since then they stopped rolling out as many devices as they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, any device that's you know eighteen months or newer didn't have the google play services 
though you can install it, that's actually one of you know our most popular pages on our site right now is how to install Google Play services on a Huawei device. <laughs> the, the, that article gets you know thousands of views every month. People are looking for that information. But I mean, they've been using you know Huawei's app gallery, which doesn't nearly have as many services or apps available uh, when compared to the Google Play Store. Uh, so they've kind of, you know, lived with this crippled user experience because one of the things that needs to be considered also is Google Play services comes with the ability for app developers to push notifications to your device. While we need with the app gallery, developers have to not only strip out things that they had to put in there for to work with Google Play services, but integrate Huawei's own uh, notification system, which makes it harder. Like it's mm -hmm. not like you could just take your app and move it over to the app gallery. You exactly, have to yeah. redevelop your app to work with their services in order to get push notifications on a smartphone. And that's you know arguably one of the best features of smartphones. Even though I hate notifications these days, <laughs> uh, being able to have a notification from an app that when you get a new email or a new you know message from Telegram or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to have to see. I mean, uh, with Huawei saying that the devices are, <laughs> they'll come out when they come out, basically, is what they're saying. <laughs> exactly. The same The same is being said for Harmony OS. So we'll see what happens when that when that actually occurs, if we'll even get our hands on it. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, with all that said, I think that pretty much covers everything that we were going to do here on the podcast. Hopefully everyone was uh, okay with my dilly-dallying, trying to get to the final <laughs> topic point. But in any case, Nick, it's great to have you back. Thank you for... Uh, uh, my pleasure thank you for your patience with the scatterbrained host uh but yeah anything that you want to like plug uh you have the last uh, minute or so uh we are finishing up our review of the zt axon 30 ultra uh, a device which i took with me on vacation as my one and only device mm -hmm. uh and used it as my only device for capturing photos and videos. We actually kind of did a family vlog while we were down there recording it completely on that smartphone. And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed with the camera capabilities. It's not the best, but for the price, this is a great phone and our review is going to be coming out early next week. Nice. Uh, I'm actually working on that one as well. I have an old uh, real world camera test that I still have to edit. It's just been so busy re recently. Uh, but yeah, with all that said, uh, make sure you follow Nick and Fandroid and all of the links that are in the show notes. And I'll go through all of those in the outro starting now. Excellent. Done. All of the links for Nick, Fandroid, and myself are found in the show notes. Make sure you follow us across the interwebs, and you can do the same with PocketNow by heading over to PocketNow.com for the latest headlines. Go on social media and find PocketNow at PocketNow. And then, of course, you can head over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash PocketNow, for video content that's coming out pretty much every single day. With all of that said, though, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the PocketNow Weekly Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us this week, and we will see you in our next episode.